Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Unfortunately, I will have to keep this intro very short. I promised a couple updates and reactions, but I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I am recovering from some kind of virus that I caught on the way back from my trip to England. I will chat more with you next week, but for this week, we'll have to stick to chatting with my dear guest, Lindsay. You might recognize her voice from her own podcast, she hosted the Expat Repat podcast, and she actually was on the Expat cast a couple years ago when she was a repat herself. So for people who don't know, an expat is one of many terms for someone living in a country that's not the one that they're from. Expat is short for expatriate, and repat is short for repatriate, so someone who is back in their home country after living abroad. I'm not sure if it's an official term, but like with all of these international terms, I take them all very loosely and apply a broad definition to any given one of them. So I'm going to say repat or repatriate is an official term. Sure, why not? And Lindsay was a repat. She's from the US, but had been living in Zurich, Switzerland for many years before returning to the US. And that's where I met her, where her podcast took place, etc. But now, since almost two years already, she's back living in Zurich, watching this all pan out over Instagram. I couldn't believe it. I just was over the moon for her that this place that she loved was a place that she could return to. I think it's a really special moment when a dream that specific gets filled. And from what I could see online, it seemed like that life was panning out to be just as amazing as she'd hoped. And I had to find out if it was true or not. I I had to know, is it really as magical as it seems? And I don't think it's a spoiler to say it is exactly as magical as I thought it would be. Lindsay is just glowing over the moon with her life here in Switzerland, and I'm excited for you guys to hear how that happened and why and what it's like. All right, time for me to go make some tea. As we all know, it heals everything. Enjoy the episode. So my name is Lindsay, and I am originally from the Pacific Northwest in the U.S. I was born in Spokane, Washington, and kind of grew up in a lot of different places. But the most recently that I lived in the U.S., I was in Spokane, and I moved from Spokane to Zurich, Switzerland, in February of 2021 for the second time. And coming up on two years already. That's Mm -hmm. kind of crazy. I know. I For some reason, I thought it was still within year one. It feels like it. And then on the other hand, it feels like we've been here longer in some ways. So it's very weird. I feel like time must be the weirdest, like nonlinear experience for you <laughs> with this whole move situation. But okay, before we get into that, let's lay out for anyone who doesn't recognize your voice and already know, you were on the podcast before. You also had your own podcast for a while. And it was yes. called the Expat Repat Podcast because mm-hmm. I met you when you had moved back to Washington. Washington after several years in Zurich and you were like building or rebuilding a life in the U.S. after sort of post life abroad. So you were a repat, but now you're an expat repat re-expat. <laughs> you're back. <laughs> Tell us more about um, your longer Switzerland U.S. journey. So, I mean, when we left Switzerland, 
we were pretty happy here, but um, career-wise, I think we were looking to advance a bit. So we went back to the U.S. pretty spur of the moment, like this opportunity came up and we're just like, hey, let's go, um, not thinking anything of it because we had done lots of moves before and everything had always worked out and it was not like that for that move. So we moved back, the offer was not what we thought it was and it just sort of like everything fell apart was what it felt like. We had our second child pretty quickly after we moved back there. And so it was just like new town, new child, <laughs> um, all these new things, new jobs. I think it was really, really, really traumatic. It was so difficult. Um, and then to not have any of it going smoothly, like going from one child to two for me was, I was so blindsided by how intense that was. Um, I guess that going from zero to one had been so easy that I just assumed adding another one would be no problem, but it was really, really hard. And what's their age gap? So she was almost three. She was two years, 10 months, and she wasn't fond of him when he came home. Oh, no. One night, I was just looking through something recently, a journal or something, and I saw that I had written down that Tonight after dinner, Coco suggested we give Theo to the chickens along with all the leftovers from dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Because our neighbors had chickens, and so we'd always, like, just give them, like, food scraps, you know? And she's like, why don't we give Theo to the chickens, too? (laughs) Yeah. Wait, your first child your daughter was Mm -hmm. born in switzerland is that right yes okay yeah so she was born in zurich in 2011 and then our son was born in the u.s in 2014 and then we weren't in our like home at that time we had moved to a different state and so then when that all just wasn't what we had thought it would be um we just said okay let's get out of here and that's when we moved to spokane so we went to spokane because i have family there But I hadn't lived in Spokane since I was 12, I think. Wow. That was another huge adjustment. (laughs) I don't know. The whole thing, it was just, it was several years of just things being kind of chaotic and difficult. And my husband and I both ended up going back to school. We both realized pretty quickly, even after we got to Spokane, that we just really missed living abroad and we didn't fit in in the U.S. the way we thought we would. And then as time went on, we still didn't. And so we always just felt a bit out of place and always longing to get back to this lifestyle and to be around other expats too. Like, I guess I never appreciated how much we have in common with each other, people who leave their own country and go live somewhere else and learn a language and adapt to a new culture. That's something that most Americans can't relate to at all. And then when you do talk about it, they just think you're trying to show off or make them feel bad. So then you get into all these conflicts and it's just really weird. So, Well, it's such a funny setup too, where like you bond with people just on the fact of that you're somewhere else, that you're learning a new language. And In some ways, that brings so many people together that you might otherwise not have talked to or not have been friends with. For me, it's also something I really like about becoming friends with so many international people. It's like what bonds us is this thing that actually has very little to do with our personality and way more to do with our life choices and 
that can be such a cool way to meet people that that are just different. I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think when international people go somewhere, whether they're going as expats or immigrants or whatever, like we all need each other. The sense of community within my workplace is amazing because it's an international school. And so I'm surrounded by people in the same boat. And then we all need each other. So there's so much community and there's so much involvement. Um, Whereas when I was working in schools in the US, it's just completely different. You know, they're just sort of like distant people that you work with. And of course, you interact with them. But then that all just stays there. And your life is something else, right? And so I think that like automatic ability to build friendships is so nice when you're an expat. And then being back in Spokane, I found it pretty much impossible to make friends. And then the only friends I did make were people I worked with, but those were really like, I don't know, they were sort of tenuous relationships. Like they weren't really close bonds or anything. Even friends I had had from college or previously Everybody was just so busy. Everybody was working all the time. I don't feel like I had a social life there. How long were you in Switzerland before the U.S. chapter? So we lived in Zurich for four years. And then we were back in the U.S. for six and a half years. The ratio of, of that timeline, it's like you really had long enough in Zurich to like not just have tasted the lifestyle, but like truly lived it. You know, it was your normal for a while. And then... Yeah, six and a half years back in the States. That's enough. Like you you gave it a try. Like you committed, you tried in, in multiple locations. Like didn't you also, you guys had a house and stuff at one point, right? Um, we didn't buy a house, but we rented and kind of lived in the ideal neighborhood. And the kids were at the school that I had gone to as a kid. And yeah, I mean, I don't think we could have had anything better there. I don't know. I guess living in a rental house also just made me not really want a house. <laughs> I feel like all people yeah. did there was talk about their house. You'd go out to breakfast or dinner or something. And like all they talk about is their house. Like, oh, I ordered this tile. And oh, our sewer line, we had to have the rotor router come. <laughs> and now it backed up. And so they're just going to have to dig it up the whole front yard. And there will be $15,000 and oh, the roof is going to be next. And it's like, oh my, oh my God, why do people buy houses? Um. <laughs> no, I totally feel this too, though. Every time I, I am around like a home owning environment or culture, I'm like, <laughs> this sounds awful. I feel like everyone's been like brainwashed to think that this is a great thing. And I just, I, I look at it and I'm like, this sounds horrible. Listen to what you're saying. <laughs> it really is so part of the culture, though. If you don't own a house, like by the time you're 35, you're kind of a giant loser. Um, <laughs> and it's just so embedded in people's psyche, this like homeownership. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I don't know. I mean, I still feel that pressure. Like th even though I'm so happy and like doing all these things that I love and I really enjoy my life and I'm so grateful every day. I still have this nagging in the back of my mind, like, but you should just be buying a house. <laughs> <laughs> but I can imagine like having extra space sounds amazing. You know, like apartment living versus home, like house living, it's just different. So actually in my my upcoming chapter of my life in Paraguay, we are going to have a house, but yeah, a rental house. And I'm excited to experience it. Like I really think 
I like a lot of the things about it and like decorating the inside and having all of these different spaces to go to. But I don't think I'll be convinced that I need to then own the walls around me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, totally. And there are so many nice things about having a house. Like I loved our backyard and garden and like you said, the different spaces and decorating and I don't know, but then it's also isolating. I think that yeah. that was the strange thing. It's like here, if we want to be outside or whatever, we end up going to a big open space and there are lots of other people and we'll picnic or grill or whatever. You're not necessarily with those people, but you're around people and it feels nice. And and in the U.S., it was just always us and in our own backyard. And you don't really feel like you interact or like spend time around other people that much. Then I'm wondering, like, it sounds like the Swiss spirit never really left you. But it, I mean, after several years, then you started doing the podcast. I'm curious if like talking about expat topics again, really confirmed that little seed that was still inside of you and like really watered it. And or I don't know, how did how did Switzerland part two end up becoming more of like an actual topic and then eventually a reality? I was very doubtful for a long time. I thought, oh, you know, I just want to run back to what felt familiar. And that's a stupid thing to do because I've changed. That place has changed. Like the chances of that working out just seemed very slim to me. So then I started doing a lot of kind of asking myself, okay, what do I want in my daily life? What do I want in the bigger picture of life and all these different pieces. And it always kind of kept coming back to this lifestyle. Like the things that I really missed, I didn't feel I could replicate well in the U.S. It's just not a walking culture. Last summer, we did a house swap and went home for, I think, four and a half, five weeks. It was a long time. So a family from my kid's school came and they stayed in our apartment and traveled around Europe. And then we stayed in their house. And it was great. It was very fun. Cool. <laughs> but it was so hilarious because after a couple of weeks, my watch was like, there has been a significant change in your daily exercise minutes. <laughs> and it's like, like, yeah, I'm in America. I drive everywhere now. So just all these pieces of what I missed here, like, and just the beauty, like I love the buildings and the way that the cities are arranged here and the towns and the trees and the public spaces and the little town squares and the trains and the trams. And there were just all these things that I really, really genuinely missed. And so I think when I started the podcast, it was really to figure out like, okay, how many people have gone through this like I'm going through, where it's difficult, you have reverse culture shock, it's hard to settle back in. Well, it turns out like tons, pretty much everyone, <laughs> no one ever talks about it. Of course. And then I was sort of thinking, okay, so at what point does it get better? Like, give me a prognosis here. If I interview a bunch of people, maybe I'll get a sense of when things are going to settle, when I'm going to feel satisfied, happy, whatever, again. I mean, some of the people I interviewed had been back in the U.S. decades. Wow. And they're still struggling with that piece, like that sense of loss or a piece of themselves not really existing anymore, like um, an aspect of their personality that sort of died off with 
the move or saying still after 20 years, yeah, but I do, I do think I'll go live abroad again. And I was <laughs> listening to all these people and going, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been back, you know, three, four years at that point. I don't think it's going to get better was my fear at that point. I don't know if that was true or not. I mean, maybe if I had stuck it out, it would have gotten better, but it just really didn't feel like it was going to. And so then I thought, well, okay, how hard is it to move abroad again? Like, does it work? Because like I said earlier, like everybody has changed, people have moved, things are different. Was on the two fat expats or one of those Facebook groups. And I put that question out there as a discussion. And this one woman wrote back and said, oh, you know, we got back to Abu Dhabi after six years and it was just like riding a bike. And that kind of blew my mind. And then I interviewed a couple who had moved back to Europe, not to Switzerland, but to Germany. And everything was going so well for them. So yeah, I think through that process, like it was slow. It was a long process. And then it just sort of evolved and it was like, okay, I decided I just really wanted to put my energy into networking with different people, applying for like every job we possibly saw come up tracking down friends of friends and emailing them and asking for advice on what's your HR department like. And then I made a trip over here and I visited a ton of schools right before COVID. I got back to the U.S. like the first week in February, 2020. Oh. <laughs> and so then I was all like pumped up and excited because I had come here and it just felt like home still. And I just wanted it so badly. And then I had gone around and visited a ton of schools because my husband is a English literature and English as an additional language teacher. And then I am a school counselor. So we both had gone back to school while we were in the U.S., uh, which was a really bold move in retrospect. Like, <laughs> and if I had known how much work graduate school would be with two small children, I don't think I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and those price tags, I mean, we got to mention it. Yeah, it's not... Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's not nothing. <laughs> no. And so I can't believe it worked out. Well, and it sounds like also, so your husband also was on board for looking to return to Switzerland. Yes. Which was so fortunate because I have talked to a lot of people where one of them would like to go abroad again. The other partner doesn't. And so then it was just like, it's a stalemate, you know? Oh, okay. So then... You come back with all this energy, this like inspiration. You guys are aligned with like, okay, we want to try and do it. And also, by the way, I want to note, when you talk about it, it's not even just Europe. It's like it's Switzerland and it's not just Switzerland. It's, it's Zurich. Like you have a true deep love for like this one specific place, which first off, very understandable. It's an incredible place. But um, I know from personal attempts to like look at what, what else I could do, like location is such a limiting thing if you really care about it. Like it's so hard to find the right job, but also in that right place. So I'm so impressed that you did it and I need to hear how that worked. <laughs> I still cannot believe that it worked because we really didn't think we would get right back here. Like we thought, okay, maybe we'll go to Basel on the other side of Switzerland or to Chino, the Italian part, Lausanne, Geneva, the French part. Like we were kind of open to everything. And then another really big possibility that we had in mind was that we would go to the Middle East or Asia for a couple of years because a lot of teachers 
in the international school system do that. Many of the teachers in Europe have worked in Singapore and Thailand, uh, Dubai or Abu Dhabi in the Emirates. Um, some have done Saudi, Kuwait. So we were really open to all these different things. But then because I had made these visits to these different schools, I don't know, and it would go in little waves. Like there, a job would come up, we'd get really excited, apply, oh, wouldn't work out. Or then we just kind of give up. And then this one thing came up. My husband had like three interviews and then it didn't work out. And at that point, we're like, okay, it's just never going to happen. So we really, truly just let go and gave up completely. We're like, it's just never happening. We got our daughter a guinea pig because we're like, this is it. We're just going to have to, you know. And then like within a few, not even two months, maybe six weeks, they came back and we're like, oh, there's this other thing. Why don't you, you know, put your application in? And then it all happened like so fast and it was just crazy. And I wasn't even done with my degree at that point. Everything was online. So I was getting up at one in the morning to do Zoom class. And <laughs> it was oh my just gosh. crazy. Yeah. And then I ended up finishing my internship through my current job now. I mean, it was just so, I don't know how it all worked. It was a very, <laughs> very big leap of faith. And there were some low points, you know, like mm. when we first got here, I applied for a bunch of jobs and I got interviews, but then I didn't get any of them. And first put our kids in the local school because we wanted them to integrate and have really good German. And then that didn't work out very well. <laughs> so now they're at the international school. Like there were a lot of ups and downs and it was super hard on, um, on the kids to move, like much harder than I expected. Uh, they weren't very happy at first. And then it was, I mean, it's a huge strain on your relationship, the, the marriage too, because then you've got unhappy kids, all this new stress. Yeah, I, I still have no idea how it all worked out, but then it did. Like we just didn't give up. I kept <laughs> reapplying for jobs and brushing up on different things. And when I got my state certification and my diploma, like it all worked. I just still can't believe it. And you guys moved back over with a job for your husband. Is that right then? Yes. So he okay. had the job and then the rest of the family just kind of came along. The, and then you were figuring out like, how can I finish my degree and then start working also somewhere here? And that also, yeah. out, which is just also, because I was thinking like on one hand, it's perfect that you guys both are in education, in international education, but like, what are the chances that there's you know, a school in Zurich that's looking for exactly these two roles at the same time. You know what I mean? We were like super broke for the first. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was like eight months because he was working at that time, but I wasn't. And then I was finishing school and and it was easy with the classes, but then it was also messing up my schedule so much because I was having to do all this stuff in the middle of the night and stay yeah. up really late. And it really potentially might not have worked out, you know? I mean, maybe I wouldn't have gotten a job or it wouldn't have worked out to move the kids over. But I think for anybody in the situation where they're asking themselves, should I take this risk? Like, you have to do it. 
Otherwise, you'll still just be left with that longing or that sense of maybe this would work or maybe this could happen or what if, and that can kill you. That can just torture you to death. So I think you have to like, just go do it. And then whatever comes your way, deal with it when it comes. Well, and isn't it crazy to realize like quite how flexible and resourceful you can be when you really want something. Mm-hmm. And that changes it all too. Because I mean, it, it, you can tell me if this sounds wrong to you, but it sounds like moving back to the US, like a lot of things were technically working, right? Like you had like a big home, a garden, you had, your kids were in school, you guys had careers like happening, you, you know, you whatever, like things were kind of organized in a way. And it just wasn't right. And then here, it's like, okay, things were not organized, at least at first, but every but it was right. It was the right place. It was the right whole situation and so every like then you can find ways to make it work and I don't know I, I can also imagine like if you didn't end up getting a job in the field that you were looking for like maybe you even would have been open to something else just in the goal of staying put and, and being where you need to be oh definitely I think so and it's so true because in Spokane I would sometimes describe it like it was like the pieces were all there but they just didn't fit together Yeah. And then it's funny because coming here, like we didn't have all the pieces and yet everything fell into place somehow. And I'm just so glad and that we took the risk. Well, that's what I'm really excited to hear about now. Like this part, like this amazing two, almost two years that have been happening. I just want to hear everything. I'm like, I can't imagine how it must feel to have been in a place and then be gone from it and then come back come back to almost that same place. Like, do you guys live in the same neighborhood as as back then? So we don't live in the same neighborhood. We are a little bit outside of the city now, not terribly, in a little town that's very cute. But we're super close to our old neighborhood. And I do go there all the time, like shopping or to meet up with friends or to go to my like ballet classes that still happen there. If you had a favorite cafe or bakery or grocery store, like, it could still be the one you go to now. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. This time living here, we have a car, which is new. We didn't have a car last time. Um, And it's great having a car because we don't drive it every day. But then when we need it, we have it. Well, and you guys have a dog now, right? When did the dog Mm -hmm. join the picture? So the dog we got, my husband started working on getting a dog like the moment we landed. And we got the dog in April of 2021. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to ask because you had like a whole life as established. You had a house and all. So how did, so did you guys ship stuff then? Once this finally worked out, I think the offer was given in the middle of November. And then they had hoped we could be here um, for the beginning of January. (laughs) (laughs) We could have done it, but the Swiss government was a lot slower with the permits and the paperwork and all that stuff. So then we had to push it back. So we ended up arriving here February 11th, which was still really fast because it was a little under two months. So once that happened, we started getting rid of so much stuff. I mean, we were taking huge car loads to Goodwill and selling stuff and giving huge carloads of stuff to neighbors and people who had babies and stuff. I mean, just like so much stuff. And then we still had too much stuff. And then European apartments are so different to American houses. So we had to get so many different types of furniture. 
you don't need wardrobes in the U.S. as much as you do here. So even the one we had there wasn't big enough. I mean, I always think about American sofas. Like I have seen rooms that are no lie, bigger than my current apartment that are just the living room and they have a yeah. couch, like an L couch going across the walls, just a giant wall, two giant walls of couches with recliners and, and cup holders and all this stuff. And then, I mean, not that yeah. I'm saying every house has that, but it, <laughs> it does happen. And then how the heck are you getting that into your like couple bedroom apartment in Zurich that has like a weird hallway I'm assuming because all of them always do in this area like (laughs) yes the hallway oh my gosh it's taken me a year and a half to like figure out what to do with our hallway when we first got here of course the apartment was empty and then when the stuff arrived I had a total panic attack because they just kept bringing box after box after box after <laughs> like, then I would tell them, okay, that can go in the cellar. Okay, cellar, cellar. And then they're like, cellar's full. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> and then the whole living room was just stacked to the ceiling with all these boxes. And then there were so many things that we didn't need to move and could have gotten rid of, but we just didn't have enough time. I mean, we were both working full time too, trying to prepare. I don't think there's any good, perfect, smooth way to do a move. Like, I think if you know you're going somewhere on a two-year expat contract, like, it probably is your best bet to put a lot of stuff in storage because it's only two years. But then I think if you are moving, you know, more or less permanently, just try to get rid of as much as you possibly can before you move. And then you have to decide, okay, we're going to move all of our stuff, like do a container or are we just going to pick and choose and maybe do like a lift van? Uh, But then this time we're just like, okay, let's just throw it all in a container and go. (laughs) And and it was crazy. So I guess it was good. I wasn't working. Yeah, but But it's so critical to like feeling rooted and feeling settled. So I mean, it's I'm I'm happy for your family that you yeah, I know you're saying you're like you want it to work sooner, but I it's a gift in disguise, I think, that you were able to have that time to like just arrive. Completely. Yeah. You really do need settling in time and just getting your bearings and orienting yourself and figuring out your new routines and grocery stores and food and everything. Like it's really nice to have that time to invest in that and to be able to support the other family members through their transitions too. So I'm, I am really grateful for that. And now when you think about like, you know, back then the list of things that you wanted out of life that you just couldn't recreate in the US, how does it stack up? Because that's also a toss up, you know, like you could get back and be like, oh, shoot, it was it was memories like it's not real. (laughs) Yeah, that fear was so real. Like I really thought that I had built it up to be something it wasn't in my mind because we had done that with the US while we were here before. True. We had this utopian view of America where all the customer service reps are helpful and friendly and everything (laughs) is easy and inexpensive and so convenient. And it's it's not true. Like, so I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be the same going back here, you know, but it has been great. I mean, I can hop on the little train next to my house. It's like a three minute walk from my house. And then in, I think, 17 minutes, I'm right smack in the center of Zurich next to the lake. And I take the train in and I'll meet up with friends for coffee. It's just 
dreamy. And I still just love walking around and just enjoying the city. It's beautiful and lovely doors everywhere. And I enjoy all of the architecture and little alleyways and streets. And I just, I love all of it so much and the different seasons and swimming in the lake. And I mean, it's, it's been even better than it was before. Well, that makes me so happy for you. (laughs) Well, and like, especially having met you at this time where you were like in the US doing it, but like longing for something else. Like, it's just, it makes me so genuinely happy that you, you're, you're back where you belong, you know, like you're back where you're happiest. And I'm just so happy that it all worked out the way it did and, and that you're able to both do your careers, your dog and your kids. And like, it just, it just, yeah. And you can have your walks, you can have your ballet class, you can meet up with friends. Like it just, it's really amazing to hear how your dream like actually came true. <laughs> it's so crazy. And I love where we live too, because we can walk to work and the kids can walk to school and everything's close and easy, but then the city's also super close. We're trying to get like more organized about pension and retirement savings. And like, you know, it feels like life is very secure, settled. And it's such a, it's a good feeling. I mean, I know that makes my family sad that I'm far away. And my kids still are settling in, like they still miss the US and their old school and stuff. But I think, I mean, they do enjoy it too. They do. Um, Yeah, I wanted to ask, because you mentioned it was hard at the beginning, but I wanted to see, to check in how they're doing now. Yeah, so now they've been in the international school for a full year. So they were in the local school around 10 months. And like Theo just did not like learning German and just rejected it immediately. And and then Coco did a bit better with the German, but it was just still such a struggle. Um, They've really adapted well to their new school, but the drawback with the international school is that people leave a lot. So some very dear friends left at the end of last year, and that was hard. But overall, they're doing really well. Okay, and we have to wrap up in a second, but one more thing. Does it feel like this is this is the next, not just years, but decades? Yeah, I mean, I love my job. I really love it. So I kind of don't ever want to leave it. And I feel like I've finally found my groove professionally. And then the kids, I love that they're getting, the IB curriculum is really excellent. I think for them to continue and and graduate from this system would be so good for them. And then for university, I mean, I don't know where they'll go. I mean, they'll probably want to go back to the U.S., honestly. I don't know how we're going to pay for that. Yeah, I was going to say, they just want that sweet, sweet debt. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like my husband and I have been quite behind on the whole retirement thing. Like any expat can relate, like when you move and then – you move back and then you switch and you you can't really transfer your retirement account from Switzerland. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of pressure to be putting into an IRA every month or it's weird because we're in our early 40s now. So if you look back to like when we met and started dating in that same amount of time in the future, we'll be retiring and that's scary. Wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> I weird know. It's also good in that sense that you guys are geographically rooted now that you can start to focus on figuring all that kind of stuff out and, and getting a, a plan and, and whatnot. So 
I mean, that's part of the whole expat struggle, right? Is like, you're like, mm-hmm. which, which country am I adulting in? Like, where am I? Like, what system am I orienting my savings around? And and how do I do all of this based on where I want to be? But you don't know where, where you are, exactly. where you're going to be. So yes. it's an amazing thing that you can be like, okay, we're here. We're figuring it out here, whatever that means. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know how realistic it is to plan to retire in Switzerland. I mean, it is such an expensive place. But for now, I do definitely do feel like, oh, this is great. I feel very comfortable and settled and no need to make any changes. And it's a nice feeling. Hard earned, you know, you fought hard earned. Thank you, for sure. Now you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, It is time to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So it is Mm -hmm. a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, What is your favorite day trip from Zurich? Oh, gosh. I have no idea. (laughs) I don't like to leave Zurich. I just like to stay here and swim (laughs) in the lake. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. That's fine. (laughs) What is the number one meal requested by your family, like an American meal that you guys just crave and have to cook at home? Definitely tacos. Mexican food. Tacos, Uh enchiladas, tostadas, all of it. Yes. I want to come next next taco night because I'm having the same craving right now. (laughs) The last two weeks, it's been bad. And finally, what is one thing you're hopeful to experience or do in 2023? Ooh, good one. Um, I want to spend some time in the mountains. So I don't really enjoy skiing, but I love being up in the mountains. So maybe snowshoeing. That would be really cool. Snowshoeing sounds so fun. Last question of all (laughs) is where can people find you? Oh, yes. Okay. So once upon a time, I did do the Expat Repat podcast, and I have basically an entire season that I just haven't published because I wasn't sure what to do once COVID hit. So um, I still have the Expat Repat on Instagram. I do still have my blog, SwissLark.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at SwissLark. So those are the places. And I would love to hear from people and just, you know, if people have questions about moving abroad again, re-expatting, if you will, uh, I would be happy to answer them because I say go for it. Yeah, I was going to say you need to do a new <laughs> podcast series, build on the old one and go expat, repat, re-expat podcast. There we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming back on so we could catch up. It's absolutely wonderful to hear how everything's been going for you and your family the last couple of years. Oh, well, I was so excited when you reached out, Nicole. Like, it was just um, so affirming. And I really thank you for taking the time and listening to me blabber on about my stuff again. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> my absolute delight. And I'm also, I'm sure there's a couple of people out there. I, I know my listener base is largely in the U.S. And I don't think it's all expats in the U.S. I think it's a lot of people who are repats or want to be ex like they're dreaming of becoming an expat so mm-hmm. i think this is you have a wonderful message and a wonderful story to share with people who are sitting back home and dreaming yay oh i love that Thank you one more time to Lindsay for coming onto the ExpatCast a second time. I have linked to her Instagrams, plural, <laughs> and her blog in the show notes. You can also make sure you're following me on Instagram at the 
expatcast, and you can visit me online at theexpatcast.com. I have a couple slots for interviews left this season, and if you're someone who's listened to the show for a while and thought, I think I would have a story to share, but you've never been so bold as to throw your hat into the ring, what is that saying? Hat into the race? I don't know. Pretend I said that right. Now's the time. Shoot me a message over the contact form on my website if you want to be a guest and we'll get in touch. On Thursday, we'll be back in your feeds with a Travel Germany episode. I haven't gotten to do one all season and I'm just itching to. So we're bringing it back. Travel Germany coming your way. Tune in Thursday. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy or if you're like me, get healthy. Bis dann. Tschüss.